0: They more or less said, "Oh well, she's in the middle of the stroke, and there's nothing we can do." I thought, "My God, you know," but between the pair of them, they got him to send for an ambulance, and they took me down to the Newcastle General. I was in a coma for a week. I was in the hospital. Well, it happened in August. I was in the hospital for about two months. They decided to um, put me into the Hunter's Moor, which is the general in Hunter's Moor is just, just close by. I
1: think just you're in shock, I think, with what's happened because it was a completely alien thing that you never ever thought could happen. I had the two children to look after and see at school and everything. You just got swept along with it, really. It was a bit mind-numbing. Necessity is the mother of invention, so you just had to carry on with it, very distressing. I think it's so, so important that everybody should put something down on the calendar to look forward to. You know, as an ongoing thing, just something to look forward to, you know, even if it's going out for the pictures, or going shopping, or going for a drink, or or what have you, to write it down and it's there, it's something to look forward to, it's like a a magnet that draws you up, keeps you going, so I think that's very important.
2: Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. There are often secondary conditions that can be caused by stroke. One of the most serious is a coma, which can happen when the brain begins to swell due to a loss of blood. Doctors will sometimes medically induce a patient into a coma in order to reduce the swelling and give the brain time to heal. In this episode, We'll hear from Susan Searle and her husband Peter from Gateshead. Susan suffered a stroke at the age of 35.
0: I had a shop that was busy, and then Peter had a fish and chips shop of about 10 miles away. We had about 10 horses, and it was very busy. The first time I got up, in my face was dropped. And I would blame me, and I made an appointment at the doctor's, and he says, oh, it'll, it'll be all right, it's firming up, it, it's all so right. And I thought, right. And then about two or three weeks, and added the stroke. Eventually, when Peter woke up, and all I could see was that my eyes, I couldn't move a muscle. Peter shouted at Catherine, who was 14, and who had Michael, who was 8, and he shouted, phone for the ambulance. And then I blacked out. The next thing I, well, must have been about a week later, because I went to the Queen Elizabeth and Peter and Jean my sister was there, nothing was happening. And they went and they said, Look, you know, my sister, wife, you know, can you tell me what's happening? And they more or less said, Oh, well, she's in the middle of the stroke and there's nothing we can do. And I thought, My God, you know, between the pair of them, they've got him to send her for an ambulance and they took me down to the Newcastle General. I was in a coma for a week, and then I gradually woke up and, you know, I just took into a private room for two weeks or something, I don't know. I couldn't speak, I couldn't do anything. From there they put me onto the, the ward. And it was funny, because they were talking. I opened my mouth, and I thought, what? And nothing came out, you know? I was going to say, oh, I've done that, you know? But nothing came out of it. I was in the hospital, well, it happened in August. I was in the hospital about two months. They decided to um, put me into the Hunter's Moor which is the general in which is more just, just
2: close by. Susan's stroke also had a profound effect on husband Peter.
1: I think just you're in shock, I think, with what's happened because it was a completely alien thing that you never ever thought could happen. I had the two children to look after and see at school and everything. You just got swept along with it, really. It was a bit mind-numbing. The necessity the mother of invention, so you just had to carry on with it. Very distressing.
0: We had a van, and he had to take me down to Hunches And Then I was there all day, and then four o'clock, I went back, and it, four o'clock, I was knackered. But... Uh, you
1: had to go to the QE for physio, didn't you? And then,
0: oh, yeah. But it,
1: it made you that ill. Oh. I just had
2: to stop doing it. Half an hour of exercise, and just, for the rest of the day, she was absolutely knocked out. Susan gets help with physio from her son, Michael.
0: From being a, a small eight-year-old boy, he's six feet tall and he's big mm-hmm. and he does with the, the, the highest level. And We talked together every week and he heard about the stroke club and me and him came and we couldn't believe it, you know... About 20 years ago, we went to Gateshead and th- there was nothing there, uh, you know. But it was Michael who, going on and on, and hey, I've seen this and hey, that. Yeah. But with him having a gym, it's got me going just since the beginning of October, you know. I've lost two stone
1: and it's gone
0: down, you know.
1: She was struggle to get up and down out of the chair, but she can do that now, no problem, because of the exercises and building the muscle up. It doesn't get as tired as she used to get, so she's a lot fitter now. So uh, I don't know what's changed from all those years ago when she first had the stroke, when exercise used to really knock her out, but she quite thrives on it now, you know.
2: Susan suffered her stroke in the early 90s, and she and husband Peter have found that understanding about the condition has come a long way
1: there's a lot of more awareness now I and mean, i think some help was probably there but we didn't know where to look for it or where to access it and there was nobody there to help us out i was in the carers association at gateshead which were, they were very helpful as far as i was concerned the caring role but there was nowhere where susan could seem to go like she has now the stroke club where the onus is on her i mean there's still a lot now that i've got to do when you get older you you're not so quick at doing things, and we've got all sorts of financial things to, to sort out and still, and what have you, you know. But, you know, we're on the right track now.
0: The son and the daughter, if I phone up, o- they What's the matter? What, what's the matter? You know, no, there's nothing the matter. No, <laughs> but they are absolutely great. Apart from them, there's Jennifer. When I went to Rutherford High School, Jennifer went in from age 11, and we have stuck together all this time. There's her and Jean, my sister, and then my auntie, really, who's 92. And we go everywhere, I have me little scooter, and they are got their sticks and that. There's hundreds and thousands of aunties and uncles, but those are the the only ones that support me.
2: With the help and support of her family, Susan has made an incredible recovery and continues to progress both physically and in her speech. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Peter on taking on the role of Susan's carer.
1: I was working all the time anyway, just like I had to fit all this in, it was extra, but I had... Four businesses on the go at the time, and things were going very, very well. But one by one, I had to close them down. I never went bankrupt or anything on anything, but I just couldn't keep up.
2: And Susan on the importance of exercise.
1: To go
0: to the gym and to work out, I didn't for the first five years of it. I more or less sat in the in the chair.
1: But you're still recovering. That oh, you? You could have done that yeah. physically, but
0: but now. Oh, oh, it's Friday. Oh, cook a cake for them, you know. I'll fetch them in and then we'll go and do the exercises and things.
2: To highlight of your week now, isn't it? Yeah, Friday,
0: yeah, yes.
2: yeah, Let's hear how Susan has adapted to life since she suffered her stroke.
0: The first Christmas I had with the stroke and I went round with my head down. And um, to me, everybody was looking, Every- uh, not saying they did, but I felt awful, That's mm. set, uh, you know. It's Kingston's Park now, I'll say to him, oh, it's nice day, I'm away on the scooter to go to Tesco, and I go and I talk to the little dogs. Honestly." If anybody was to say anything, I would just say, tough, you know, I'm not bothered what you see, I'm getting on with it. Because nearly 30 years have I suffered and been, but now I just get on with it.
1: You know, people don't know how to react when something like that first happens, and it's not their fault, they can't help it. Well, there hasn't been a lot of stigma. I think Susan felt a lot because she felt it was, yeah. it was happening to her, yeah. or whatever, you know. And she will say, such and such hasn't talked to me. And I said, well, you never talk to them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think about it odd days, but now uh, with me little bungalow, I've, you know, I'm mm-hmm. just normal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would get on and do my housework and yeah, she does court very very well in actual fact you know and I mean you know she has got a better memory than me but yeah she still looks after me and you know we look after each other more I mean it was a time when I used to do nothing for her really because I mean I was working all the hours that God sent you know even worked through the nights some nights uh, for the businesses I had. Now the role's reversed, and I realised then just how, exactly how much she did. Mm. Even for things like feeding the cats the dogs twice a day or whatever it was, you know. And you think, oh, it gets on my nerves. How did she used to manage to do this and then do that and do that? But it's so always, it, it, you get used to it in the end, but it has brought it home to me just how much she did before the stroke happened.
2: The stroke also had an effect on Susan and Peter's business just sat
1: there and watched the lady she came just to get involved a bit you know yeah, that's right yeah. Yeah. she never went back to work no. as, as such no. I was working all the time anyway this, I had to fit all this in was extra but I had four businesses on the go at the time and things were going very very well but one by one I had to close them down I never went bankrupt or anything, on anything but I just couldn't keep up with where things were going I had the, the, the two kiddies as well except the fish and ship shop because we were in negative equity with that if I had But time over again, I think I would have just said, right, I'm just shutting the shop and going bankrupt wherever it is, and prioritise the family. But I did not, I kept on persevering with a fish and chip shop. But that's why my son and my daughter, they looked after the man a lot more. I think whether you have got health challenges or not, but everybody in life, I think it's so, so important that everybody should put something down on the calendar to look forward to. You know, as an ongoing thing, just something to look forward to you know even if it's going out for the pictures or going shopping or going for a drink or or what have you to write it down and it's there and it's something to look forward to it's like a a magnet that draws you up keeps you going so I think that's very important
2: Mm -hmm. and they both give their advice to stroke survivors and those who care for them to go
0: to the gym and to work out I didn't for the first five years of it. I more less sat in the in the chair.
1: But you're still recovering oh, now. You I, Could have done that yeah. physically, but.
0: But now, oh, oh, it's Friday. Oh, cook a cake for them. You know, and I'll fetch them in. and Then we'll go and do the exercises and
1: things. It's highlight of your week now, isn't it? Yeah, Friday. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The advice I would give would be to try and access carers associations and get help off people like that and as as, far as your relation whoever's ill is to try and get access for them to things like stroke clubs or or, or where it is but I've realized there's a a physical parallel to your mental parallel you know a physical and mental parallel so so everything that happens physically there's always a mental parallel to it and vice versa if you can talk to somebody about your problems that is the biggest thing really because when this first happened, we never, I never had anybody to talk to and got so bad I did access the Samaritan line at one time which was a great help to me, it was a great help to me. I mean I've had a life, a very, very tough life when I was younger and I left home at a very young age and you know, I went to work on the farms and I really got toughened up and I thought nothing would ever ever bother me or rock me but I realise now that your mental side is like the floor you're standing on, it never moves. And when something happens mentally, it's when this floor starts to move. And that's what happened to me, the floor started to move all over. I can understand people say you're in a room, there's in a dark room, there's no doorways, no windows, or anything. That's how we feel. So I had to I had to get quite a lot of help. What's happened has happened. We've just got to carry on and do what we can. And I think it's important to have those aims. Like we've been on holiday actually, on the first holiday abroad for a long, long time before we moved to Newcastle and then when we moved to Newcastle my daughter had the two cats and we got one cat so my wife went on holiday I was left at home uh, cats sitting and the one that enjoys the sunshine so I was cat sitting for 10 days while I went abroad but it was a good thing that I had a break so something else we can plan for another one sometime
2: Susan and Peter stuck by each other through an incredibly testing time for both them and the family. Susan continues to go to the Active Stroke Northeast group in Biker, and they both remain positive as ever about the future. Coming up on the next episode of Stroke Stories.
0: I don't remember all of it because the stroke I had messed me up. I remember being at my friend's house and I had a headache. I went by ambulance. They told me that it was a brain tumour, even though it wasn't a brain tumour.
2: Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and have a story to share, please contact us via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.